Hello everyone and welcome back to Latter Day Takes. Hope you all had a good week. I know I did. Um, Taylorsville Days, spent some, some time doing that. It's a good fireworks show, it's surprising. Like They do a great job actually out here. I happen to live right next to the park where they do it. Very, very convenient, had a fun time, chilled out with some friends, just good things all around. Um, and then I'm really looking forward to the 4th of July weekend coming up this weekend. That's going to be great. I got a family reunion kind of thing going on. So looking forward to that. Seen a lot of family I haven't seen in years. Anyway, uh, hope you all are doing well. Today's pod is going to be pretty interesting. We're going to talk about some hot button issues, right? Obviously, we're going to talk about abortion. And then the other one being a hair transplant. Because <laughs> what doesn't go together better? What goes, I should say, what goes together better than hair transplants and abortion now i brought on dan osler he's he's a buddy of mine he had a he had an interesting experience out in turkey where he got a hair transplant and he details the whole thing it's very impressive actually how he goes through everything kind of that whole process and i thought you know what that's interesting to me i i don't really know that process if, if you know me if you see me um i my I've, I've got a full head of hair so it's nothing that's really like hit me in a way that I felt like was necessary for me to get. But I know a lot of friends that talk about it. They're very open about it that do kind of think a lot about like, hey, like I want my hair back. So it was more kind of my opportunity to talk with Dan, his experience, and get a little bit enlightenment when it comes to what it's like to be in that position. So anyway, that's why I brought Dan on. And then with the relevance of abortion, I was like, well, we got to talk about this. I got to know your opinion. It's just... It's just too much like happening right now. I cannot, I can't not ask you about this. So what you're going to hear is my own take on abortion. I'm obviously very passionate about this. I think I'm allowed to have an opinion. I don't think it's just up to women to speak about this because we're talking about human lives here at stake, not just female lives. So I give you my take. I take about 10 minutes. That's really what I use for the kind of the news segment of the week. We just talk about that. It's just me. Then I bring Dan on. And I can't help myself. I asked Dan's opinion. We get into that about 15, 20 minutes. And then we get into his experience with the hair transplants. Dan's a good guy. I hope you'll, uh, I think you all will appreciate the episode. I think it's been interesting all around. And so you will not be bored this episode. I promise you that. I hope you're not bored any episode, but I know you won't be for this one. And catch me on the other side where I close it out, sharing kind of a gospel thought that also kind of happens to do with the things we're experiencing right now also pretty relevant. I mean, it definitely has something to kind of do with abortion, but just kind of how these times are crazy. It was a scripture that I shared on social media, and a lot of people took to it. It hit them in a way that really it hit me. I mean, it was just really resonated with a lot of people. So it goes to show kind of how powerful that scripture is right now. So catch that on the other side. Hope you all are doing well. Love you all. Uh, we, I will get into my abortion take here in a bit, but first we will throw it to brother Joe Rogan. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the best cult. Have you ever under the influence of alcohol questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. (laughs) Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not drinking and they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. (laughs) I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, the Mormons were the correct answer. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the news of the week is really just going to be one topic. A topic I'm a little bit nervous to talk about, only because it's extremely hot button. I have not hesitated to do hot button issues before in the past, but this one seems particularly vitriolic when you post, when you share a sentiment that might be against the sentiment of the other side. So this is new to me. But I want to do it, not because I want to necessarily fight, clap back, or anything like that, but I want my principles to be shown and to be known. So we're really just going to talk about the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade last Friday. A couple things I want to say about that. With that overturning, contrary to popular belief, primarily from the left side of the aisle, by the way, This does not mean abortion is now federally illegal. It means it's up to every state to determine what they want to do with abortion, right? That's a democracy. That's what a democracy was always intended for in the first place. It should be up to the states. And Roe v. Wade was a bad decision in the first place because of its flimsy precedent, which this has been highlighted a couple times on this podcast in the past year, even in the past eight months, I think. Those episodes do exist there were two lawyers that came on to talk about it, and they broke down why overturning it not only made sense, but was even imminent. And that prognostication proved true just this last week. To give you an idea exactly of what I'm talking about, when it means giving it back to the states, Utah specifically, their trigger laws. So trigger laws are laws that take place right after the Supreme Court makes a decision. The states have these trigger laws in place, meaning that immediately... These laws are now put into place. So for the state of Utah, their trigger law was this new overturning of Roe v. Wade. It does not ban birth control. It does not ban Plan B. It does not ban abortion in cases of rape, incest, life of the mother, severe fetal abnormalities, ban removal of an ectopic pregnancy, or ban removal of a miscarried baby. And there's already that narrative going out that Plan B is going to be taken off the shelves and that birth control won't be available. It's like, they're not trying to force you to have children. It's not about that. They're just trying to make abortion illegal or much, much harder or elective abortions specifically illegal, which is over 90% of abortions. What it does do is it protects the life from the moment of conception, banning elective abortion. That's all it does. That is Utah's trigger law, just for example. So on Friday... I posted something on my Instagram that was a little out of the norm for me. I don't tend to get too political, generally speaking. I primarily like to share the random happenings in my life, as well as nice thoughts, philosophical intrigue, gospel thoughts, etc. But Friday night, I'll be honest, I felt compelled because my feed had been commandeered by a bunch of pro-choice sycophants that it almost seemed like that's all that existed in the world. I was especially irked when I saw posts about how not only men can't opine on the topic, but specifically white men, which seemed ironically convenient because it was seven white men that legalized abortion on the federal level in the first place. They didn't seem to have an issue with it then, but now they do, so I don't know. 
So because of this blatant and irrational mentality that was overcrowding my feed, I decided to simply put this out on my Instagram story. And I quote, A horrendous law that was determined by seven white men was just overturned by one woman, one black man, and three white men. What a great day. Yeah, I got some hate for it. But I got a lot more support, albeit quiet support. And one post in particular, one comment that I got back in particular is kind of what highlighted what I was talking about, which was, hey, it's nice to see people being willing to speak out about this, like the pro-life side, because I'm, that's all I'm seeing is the, is the uh, pro-choice side. And I'm like, good. I mean, it'd be nice to have more of us do this, but good. I'm glad I can provide that for others, that there's more of us out there. I mean, this is not... Like, so if, if it were up to social media, it would be like 90% are pro-choice and 10% are pro-life. That's not the case. It's much closer to 50-50. Much, much, much closer. And I determined this year that I won't let my fear of offending people stop me from speaking out and defending my own principles. Guess who I learned that from? Joseph of Egypt. It was Come Follow Me that kind of highlighted this aspect where I thought I kind of broke this down. And I was thinking, Joseph of Egypt specifically found himself in a precarious situation, right? He was a slave of Potiphar, trying to work his way up, trying to ingratiate himself in the moment, right? Who doesn't want to be appreciated for what they do? Potiphar really liked him, but Potiphar's wife liked him even more and made a pass at him. And I would imagine Joseph of Egypt, being the amazing example of obedience that he is, did not even hesitate. But I'm sitting here thinking, what could have gone through his mind? What could have gone through his mind is the fact that, hey, I don't want to offend her and I don't want to offend Potiphar because this guy is like, he is my livelihood. If I make him mad, I'm screwed. My life gets much harder or maybe even more, I die. And he's like, I, 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 he might have been, I mean, he probably wasn't, right? Because he probably didn't even think about it. He just knew exactly what he had to do. However, for me, I'm thinking, what would I have done? And I would have been scared. I would have been scared to offend his wife, Potiphar's wife. I would have been scared to offend Potiphar. Now, I would have offended Potiphar or whatever with whatever story that she would have conjured up saying that I did, right? It wasn't necessarily about letting his wife make a pass at me. But anyway, in my head, I'm thinking, how many times have I sinned in fear of not offending others? And I actually think there's a lot of those times in my life. So it started to dawn on me, Joseph of Egypt being this amazing example, he never cared about that. It never dawned on him. The only offense he really cared about was offending God. And that's something that I'm trying to kind of take on more in my life. No time like the present to let those principles shine. I believe those are human beings that have, up to this point, been utterly dismissed. Right? These, these babies that have been aborted. And I thank God that there are now human beings that will be born because of this new ruling slash overturning of the Supreme Court. I will say I'd like to give the benefit of the doubt and assume that the majority of those who are pro-choice have not looked into the details of what happens in order for an abortion to be deemed successful. I have watched videos that illustrate what happens when a baby is aborted. Not live-action videos, but more kind of like illustrations. And I encourage anybody that might be sitting on the fence to seek out these videos as well. Because they do a really good job of showing what exactly happens during an abortion. I've heard doctors who have performed abortions vividly describe in front of Congress the procedure they use in order to abort a baby. And it's among some of the ugliest things I could ever perceive. And I want to give a little bit of a warning here, because I'm about to get fairly graphic based on what I've heard. No, not 
over-the-top graphic, but graphic enough that it might be uncomfortable. So if you want to skip ahead, I totally get it. These babies are ripped apart limb by limb and sucked out by a vacuum that callously displays their now untethered parts while still clearly showing all of what makes up a human being. One doctor described it as if it was an arm flexing and imagined her own young son doing a similar pose, and that's what it hit her. That's when it hit her that these were actual lives they were taking because of some heinous law that was passed. In less than 30 years, we went from one political party saying abortions should be safe, legal, and rare, to now people shouting that it is their right to take the life of another. And I'll be honest, that's nothing. That's something that I don't think I'll ever stop fighting against. I don't mean fight in a sense where I'm just looking to fight with people. I'm not. I promise you I'm not. But I am looking to let my principles shine, and this is what I believe. I believe those are human lives, and I believe that they have the right to live. I understand that there's a lot of unfortunate circumstances that take place, but there is no circumstance so unfortunate that we should be allowed to determine whether or not that life has a chance to live. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, joining me today is a good friend of mine, Dan Osler, who's here to talk about an experience he's had going over to Europe, getting hair implants. I don't, maybe they're called hair plugs, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll get to that. But... First and foremost, Dan, I actually want to get your opinion on something that to me is a lot more, it's relevant right now, and it's something that I'm definitely talking about on this episode, and that's abortion, because I know more than anything, people want to hear two dudes talk about abortion. (laughs) (laughs) Right? No, I just, I just like getting other people's opinions in general, and I'm just kind of curious what you think, like what, what's, and, and I don't really have a specific angle that I want to hear from you from, I'm just thinking like maybe you, maybe you'll come up with something that I haven't heard before things like that so yeah what were your thoughts like friday like friday the bombshell drops now granted we kind of saw it coming because it leaked but friday happens boom it actually gets overturned like what are your immediate thoughts like did you have any interesting interactions or things like that i mean it's funny having different conversations with a number of different people right um i feel like a lot of people got emotionally triggered where they're super offended how could this happen you know men shouldn't be making a decision about a woman's body. Well, the first thing I looked at, I think is ironic and correct me, I could be wrong on the exact details of this, but if you look at the SCOTUS, right, the Supreme Court of the United States of America, um, when Roe v. Wade was essentially, you know, passed, we had, I believe, Sandra Day O'Connor was in, we had one woman and then eight men that were in, okay, that was passed. And they're all white males. Now, when you look at it today, I think we have three people of color, and we have two women, right? It's the most diverse Supreme Court we've ever had. So I think that's kind of ironic. So that's actually, I put, so I posted that on Friday. I put that on my Instagram story because I just saw, I mean, it's interesting. This is a lot more 50-50, I think, at least uh, nationally than social media would like you to believe. Because I just kept on seeing post after post after post about how like, this is such a horrible day, like, I can't believe, like, this is happening, and, 
you know, the government's now deciding what women can do with their bodies, things like that. And I was like, well, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna chime in. And I just said something along those lines, which was like, uh, seven white men passed a horrendous law, you know, back in the 70s, that was overturned by one woman, one black man, and three white men. What a great Okay, so you saw it too, right? You notice (laughs) it too. I agree. So... I, I view them, I call them logical fallacies, right? Where you have them on the left and on the right. Now, if anyone wants to know, yes, I'm very conservative. Like, that's fine. I'm very conservative in pretty much all my approaches. However, I do like to look at both sides, right? I've learned I'm ignorant unless I do look at both sides. I will watch all different news media outlets. I laugh at both of them. Others, I'm like, cool, this is spot on, right? And so... That's, that's really what I look at. I go, okay, where's the logical fallacy, right? I look at it where you have on the left where it's, you know, my body, my choice. But then that doesn't uphold when it came to vaccines or the mandates, my body, my choice. But then you also have anybody as a woman, right? If you identify as a woman, how it is. But then now, if I identify as a woman, I don't have the choice. I can't say anything. So then it goes back to the biological as- aspect of, the XX chromosome and the XY chromosome. So I just feel like there's inconsistencies and we've got to have consistencies. Um, if not, like where are we actually standing up, right? And so I was I was really happy that it was overturned personally. I don't think it ever should have been passed. Um, I think that it should have always been there with the states. And when you look at the laws, I mean, if you look at Utah right now, I'll have to, to pull up the exact law of what it is. But I'm pretty sure, um, correct me while, while I pull this up, um, what are the exact laws here in Utah as I pulled up? I'm just going to look here real quick. Let's look at Utah's laws. Let's see what Utah is specifically said. Okay, so if you pull it up, you look at Utah's trigger laws, it does not ban birth control, which is what everyone says. Oh, we've banned birth control. Everyone was saying that. Yeah, it's true. Right? Yeah. It does not yeah. ban Plan B. And this is for Utah specifically, right? I mean, there's other states that are going to have different things right now it does not ban abortion in cases of rape incest life of the mother or severe fetal abnormalities okay it does not ban removal of an ectopic pregnancy and it does not ban the removal of a miscarried baby what it does it does protect life from the moment of conception essentially banning elective abortions now I have my own opinions where I would even maybe make it more strict. But when I look at it, I'm going, okay, so nothing's really changed. The only difference that people complain and argue about is that now people that are going to get abortions cannot get safe abortions. Okay, But when you look at it, all these companies came out saying, hey, I'm going to give $4,000 to anyone that wants to get an abortion. Well, that's because it's easier to pay for an abortion than it is for maternity leave. So the company is just looking out for their own vested interest, which I think is perverted and wrong. That's just my opinion, right? And I feel like, why don't they donate that $4,000 to adoption, to something else? But when you look at these different clinics, right, and you dive deep into them, right, you look at them, if they consult the the pregnant mother, right, and advise her not to get an abortion, they don't get any funding. Now, if they suggest to go get the, the abortion, then they do get money and then they get paid with it. So it's like, okay, where is this coming from? 
who's actually benefiting. And I, I personally think a lot of this comes down to, okay, do you believe in God? Do you not? All right. If you do believe in God, where do we believe that, you know, we come from, right? And I mean, you read Jeremiah 1, 5, it says before, you know, you were in the womb, I knew thee, right? So once we come into the mm-hmm. womb, like we're already there. Now, the the other approach that you can view it as is, I just lost my train of thought. Um, I love when that happens. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is when it comes to... Uh, well, I think what you're getting at, if I may, is probably like, when do you believe it's a life? Yes. And that's actually like, what like I want that, to hit. That becomes kind yes. Of, yeah. Yeah. So when do you believe, right? I mean, we look at it, you find the tiniest microbe on Mars and they say, we found life on Mars. Yeah. Yeah. But we can't say that a child is a child until even after it's born and it comes out, right? That it's still not a, a human being, that that's part of the, the mother. No, if you have, if you kill a pregnant mother, that's a double homicide. Yeah. What's funny too is that um, tech, medical technology has actually changed kind of when when the life is viable on its own anyway. So back in, you know, I, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine back in the 50s, it was probably pretty hard to save a child around 26, 28 weeks um, if it were to be prematurely born. Maybe it was impossible. I don't know. We just know what we do know is that threshold has lowered. We do know that there are babies that are born at 22 weeks mm-hmm. and they, they, I mean, they need a lot of support. They need a lot of help. They don't need their mother's body anymore to survive. And so if that's going to be the argument as like long as it's tethered to the mother, that it's the mother's choice, then that doesn't really hold a lot of weight either because because that number has gone down in terms of like how many weeks it needs to be in the womb in order to be able to survive outside the mother's womb, outside the mother's body, without the mother's support, things like that. So that can't really be the definition either in my mind. And one thing I did want to say real quick, and this is kind of what my focus has been in this episode specifically, is that I truly believe that most people that are for elective abortion specifically have not really, and this is me hopefully giving them the benefit of the doubt, really looked into the details of how grotesque how grotesque abortions are. Yeah. Because I've read up on them. I've heard doctors that have performed abortions talk about them. And when you hear it, it is, I mean, it's it's extremely hard to hear. It's, it's it, you're just sitting there kind of astonished. You're like, oh, oh my gosh. And they talk about how abortions sometimes go that, where the baby's still struggling and trying to live even outside the mother's womb. But since it's an abortion, they can't do anything to help it. And I like even have a hard time talking about this. It's like, if you look into those details and if you still think that this is something that should be allowed is kind of mind blowing to me because you're then essentially saying the, the, the rights of the mother usurp the rights of a child. And And I don't understand in what world that makes any sense personally. No, and when you look at the Constitution, that's really what this was coming down to, you know, where it was overturned. They're saying that's not on the Constitution, right? I mean, when you look at, you know, the the Bill of Rights, we have certain unalienable rights, right? And you look at, you know, the pursuit of happiness, right? The life of liberty, right? And so 
we do have that. And it's going, okay, we're defending the the unborn, right? There's It's still a body, right? I mean, how would we look at it if, you know, it was, it was a kangaroo, it's an animal, it, it's a, you know, different mammal that is giving birth or something. Are they, you know, who's going to defend that? Are we going to have activists that go, oh, you're killing these these people, you're killing these animals, this is so wrong. Well, what about a child's life? And to be real, well, this is, I, I think that most people are good. I would, you know, when you get into philosophy and you look at Hobbes versus Shaw, I personally believe that people are inherently good, not inherently evil. And what, what I mean by that is when you talk with most people, you kind of shut off the news and you get to know your neighbor. I have a best friend that's gay. I have a transgender cousin. I have another transgender cousin who has, anyway, you, you name it, right? And I love, I love everyone, you know, like I, I connect, I care about getting to know you. Now, do I have my opinions? Yes. And what I think is wrong with society that is really messing us up in today's day and age, it, there's this quote, it says, just because I disagree with you does not mean that I hate you. We need to relearn that in society. And so it's okay to have differing opinions, but I do think it's fascinating when we dive into it, just about everybody's going to agree. doesn't matter whether you're a left, right, liberal, conservative, you name it. Most of them are going to go, hey, the only time it's okay is if the, the mother's life is at risk and there's cases of, of rape or something that went on. Most people are going to be pretty close on, on their opinions, and it's more so the news media that twists everything to try and be so divisive and abrasive to get everyone against each other. Now, I'm a huge proponent that life is life, and I want to preserve life at all costs. I don't care if the child's going to be born deformed, Down syndrome, you name it. Some of my best friends growing up were Down syndrome that taught me so much. And so I don't think there's any excuse, and that's my straight opinion. I know most people don't agree with me, but that is my stance. I will defend and fight for life at all costs um, because that's just what I personally believe in. And when you look at the teachings of you know, the Book of Mormon, the Bible, and the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, that's what we're, we, we stand up for. Could not have said it better myself, man. I and I actually I wasn't even thinking along the lines of Down syndrome because they actually there's a country in Europe I can't remember which one where they're basically like the way they talk about it is that they like have I don't know if they use this word and I hesitate to use it word because it sounds so ugly in this context context, but it's like they've eradicated Down syndrome from their country because they basically abort any baby that they know is going to have Down syndrome and that like breaks my heart because yeah. I don't say this to be cheesy, like when you interact with a Down syndrome person, I don't know how you can come away from that interaction without just feeling like you just feel special. They make you feel special. Like it's the most raw form of humanity where it's just like this pure love. I've never had a negative interaction with anybody with Down syndrome. They're beautiful, beautiful humans. And I... I mean, I I personally think we could use more of them because they help us with perspective. So the fact that anybody would think that that's some sort of net positive in this world is mind-blowing, evil, and disgusting to me.
personally. But anyway, right. Well, it was straight up on um, CNN I wasn't even too. Along Do you know? I mean, they put that up on CNN. Yeah. They interview this lady, Anna Navarro. Right. Yeah. And I, I had some people message me saying, oh, you know, typical pro-lifers to like, you know, essentially, you know, pull this out of context or take the thing to the extreme. I'm going, well, I'm letting you know that there are extremes on both sides and I'm not OK with that. Right. And I'm not OK mm-hmm. with like I'm going to defend, you know, life doesn't matter what it is. I have my opinions. I've had really good conversations too. happy to talk with anybody right? Face to face. I do not do text. I had someone that sent me this big old text message, right? Um, and she was from, from Ukraine. Okay. And, uh, she was like, well, what, what about this and this and this? And all my response was, I go, look, doesn't matter what we have in this dialogue. It's not going to change my opinion and it's not going to change your opinion. At the end of the day, I love you. I think you're incredible. And I'm happy to have this conversation in person, but I'm not going to have it over text because you know what? I do respect and love you as an individual. And that's, that's what's wrong with everything is everybody becomes this keyboard warrior. They get really big muscles. They think they're so strong typing behind their keyboard that they can say whatever they want. Well, I would rather talk face to face because people are a little bit more genuine. People are more down to earth and they're going to be more real with you. And hopefully you can have a substantial conversation and actually back up your supporting views rather than just this is my emotion and how I feel about it. Now, granted, I'm a guy, so most people say I shouldn't even have an opinion, but right. yeah. but it does They didn't take... seem to have a problem on it with all the guys that were for it back in the 70s, but anyway. Right? I mean, it's a man and a woman that it takes to make a baby, right? And I think there's responsibility on both sides. And this is where it comes down to the degradation of the family, right? That people aren't valuing marriage and the sanctity of of procreation. So. Well, could not agree more, man, obviously. So uh, with that, I would love to transition over. And it's kind of a non sequitur, sorry, but do want to talk about what you came over for. I appreciate getting your thoughts on that though. Seriously. Thanks yeah. man. And thanks for being candid and open about that. Yeah. Um, okay. You went to Turkey about two months ago. Yeah. So it's been two month months, two months and exactly a week since I did the transplant. Two months and a week. Yeah. Yeah. You went to get, what do they call them? Hair implants or transplant hair transplants? Yeah. It's a, it's a hair transplant is what it's considered. Hair plug sounds like okay. I'm, first time I heard a hair plug, I was like, "You did a what? A hair plug?" And it sounds funny. It's like you're trying to plug your hair. Yes, they are hair plugs. Um, I'm all about vernacular and lexicon, and I think hair transplant. I mean, it, it's a procedure. It is what what they call it. I call it whatever a surgery, but it is a procedure. I guess is the technical term. Gotcha. Well, what I loved is that from the get-go, you just were showing on your Instagram story, like, just everything you were doing. You were like, I'm out I'm out in Turkey to get a hair transplant. And you detailed it pretty well. Like, I, it was it was pretty cool. It was really cool to see. And and it, I'm sitting here seeing this, and I'm like, dude, I, I not only do I want to know about this, I'm sure there's plenty of other people that want to hear about this experience that you had. You went with a couple of friends that were all doing the same thing. You seemed to be the only one that was extremely open about it, which I... I think it's really cool, but I want to get into this. So uh, for how long, let's just start here. For how long have you wanted to do something like this? The moment I found out about it, but guess what? I found about it last September. 
Is that right? <laughs> yeah, so I found How'd you find out about it? A buddy posted his online. Hmm. So he put it up that he went over to Turkey and it was like September twenty first, two thousand twenty one. I literally sent in my consultation either that day or the next day i have pictures like dated september 22nd i was looking over them before we jumped on this call and that's literally when i sent in all the pictures to get the consultation from the clinic in turkey oh that's amazing okay so i guess i should ask this then so when did since when have you like when has this been anything that's been on your mind like clearly like when basically so when did your hair start thinning because I remember, like, you're not bald. I would never say you're bald, no. right? No, I still have hair. Yeah. Like, most people are like, I didn't even know you were going bald. Well, that's because we all focus on ourselves more than others, right? And that's just what it is. No one sure. notices, yeah. like, anything that, oh, someone else is, you know, they're, they're losing their hair. We notice it ourselves, right? So I really started to, to lose it. It was about five-plus years ago when I went through a broken engagement um, I thought my business was, you know, we're going to have to sell it. My sister's cancer got way worse. And then my mom had a stroke. And so I was just stressed like crazy. You can see pictures from before the engagement, kind of after the engagement. And I wish that that girl the best. I have nothing just truly wish her the best, right? This is not about her. It was an unhealthy relationship mm-hmm. and I lost a lot of hair. And I continued to uh, for a bit. And then once I understood, okay, cool. I Like, I look at my family. My oldest brother, who's like 11 years older than me, he's still got amazing hair, right? So it's not like a genetic mm. thing per se. I mean, we look at my mom's dad. I, like, he had hair for, you know, a long time uh, until he passed away. And so, like, it's not a genetic thing per se. I just started to thin out super bad. All of my other brothers have hair decently i'm the youngest and i was starting to lose my hair like mad hmm yeah okay so ever since then you're like at some point i'm gonna try and do something to get this back i don't know when or where or no, how but it's i was just happen. gonna shave it my plan was to shave it and just go bald i think i look good bald and I actually got hit up. You got a, a good bit. head shape. I could see that. Right? I was like, okay, yeah. I, I like being bald, and I was just going to embrace it. Um, there are some different girls I dated. They're like, well, just keep the hair for, for for a bit before you shave it. I was down to shave it, honestly, a few years ago. And I had some girls that told me not to. So I would have. Um, yeah, dude, that's the one. They just have that power, don't they? They, they, they did. And I was like, okay, they cool. I'll keep it. But I was also kind of nervous to shave my head completely bald. I didn't know what I was going to look like. And I was like, if I shave it all the way, then I'm pretty much there. So for me... Have you never done that? As When I was a little kid. But like, I, I mean, or like when I did, yeah. when I had full head of hair. But when you shave it and you don't have a ton of hair, it grows back really funny looking. Like that's what it's doing right now as it's growing back. It looks... I'm in what's considered the ugly duckling stage right now. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, well, you look fantastic. If, if, if you're if you're asking me, you look freaking great. Thanks, man. I mean, I'm wearing a hat too, but you know, I mean, you can see it. You know, there the hair's coming in, but it's gonna take yeah, a little it's bit. Yeah, coming in. Yeah. So at months yeah. uh, three and four is when it really starts to thicken up, and it's from there up until about twelve months, and then uh, you see the real results. Like twelve to eighteen months is what they put. I think you'll see most of it come about six months. 
And so I'm excited. I mean, I'm already seeing, you know, different results where it is coming in thicker. So, I mean, I, tell me what you want to know. I mean, I, I am very open about the procedure. Ask me, I mean, what do you want to know about the, the clinic? Well, so, the cost? I mean, not, honestly, the pr- I, well, let's, I mean, like, I would like probably cover that just to, just so if anybody's interested that's listening to this, they'll know about it. But, um, I, I didn't do this not, I mean, I think people that know me obviously know that I, I've never, my hair's not really thinning too much. It's definitely gotten thinner, I guess, mm-hmm. but I think it'd be hard for anybody else to tell. Um, I still, I'm still oh, yeah. doing. You still, got luscious locks, man. Considered. Luscious locks. You got <laughs> a good set of hair, man. Yeah, that's why I brought you on. I just wanted to have you shower me with compliments <laughs> the whole time. No, I, uh. Um, I was very curious about kind of the procedure itself, but I'm also really curious about the aspect of like how that's affected kind of the, your outlook, so to speak. You're one of the most positive people I know, by the way. So I can't imagine it's anything that you were like super pessimistic about or being like, gosh, man, I just, if only, if only I had thicker, longer hair, blah, blah, blah. But I'm wondering if it did affect kind of the way you carried yourself in social situations, dating wise or anything else where you're just like, you know, it would be kind of nice to not have this be a thing that I have to worry about or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I know it's kind of an ambiguous question, but I'm just curious, like, did it affect your emotional well-being or your mental health in any way or anything like that? No, I think it was my emotional health that actually caused me to lose the hair because I was in such a rough spot. I mean, that's really why I lost my hair. Um, now, as far as the after facts of everything, didn't bother me too much. Where it did suck was going boating. I'd go boating. I had a massive comb over. You couldn't tell as much, but when it would get wet, right, it would look a lot thinner. Mm-hmm. So I started to just always wear a hat when I'd go. I remember I was out in Hawaii like five years ago, and I went surfing, and I come back, and I... You know, the next day I realized I have a sunburn on my head and it hurt. And then a few days later it started to peel and I go, oh my gosh, I am going bald, right? That's when it finally hit me. (laughs) Like I never had a sunburn on the top of my head. So I was getting to the point where I was fine, but I next was about to, to shave it, you know, and and that's where it's like, okay, cool, I, I'd be okay. But absolutely, I mean, it is kind of frustrating. You see it starting to recede. And there, it was kind of embarrassing to be in certain pictures where I'm like, oh, that, that's not a very good angle, right? And I don't actually care so much, but I'm like, oh, that, that made me look majorly bald just because the angle and the way that like the light from the back hit it. I was like, oh, that does not look good. And I remember watching The Office, okay? You watch Michael Scott in season one. He is bald. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay, he is bald. Yeah, and then for sure. magically mm-hmm. he has hair. And so I... And thin. Like, his hair is slicked back and it's super thin. Like, you can tell. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I remember I remember watching that, like, from, like when it was going. I remember seeing season one and then seeing season two be like dang, like, he's lost weight, he did his hair different, and that's as far as I went, but, like, he legitimately got implants or plugs or whatever you want to call it, but, like, yeah, he definitely worked that over, and, yeah, there's, it's a stark difference, you're not wrong. 
so I knew it was possible, right? I definitely knew it was possible. So I had like I looked at some stuff, but the costs were astronomical. It's like thirty, forty thousand, and I'm like, okay, I can afford that. But I was like, I don't care that much about my hair to spend twenty five, thirty grand or whatever. I was like, I'll just shave it bald. Like I feel pretty confident in who I am. Um, and then later on, I found out, oh, cool, there are cheaper options. You can do it for a better cost, right? And so once I saw what the cost was in Turkey, I'm like, oh, I'd be dumb not to go do it because it was so cheap in comparison and I got a free trip out of it, right? So that's really when I started to look at it. I saw my buddy Jake put everything up. I saw kind of the results that he was getting. And I go, you know, if I'm going to go over to Turkey and do this, I'm going to do it at a clinic that I feel like I can trust, right? So the the cost breakdown you have a number of different procedures that you can look at so what most people have done it's called an fut okay and the the fut is where they do the strip have you ever heard of the fut before no never okay so it's a follicular unit transplantation okay um and what that is it's the same thing as a hair transplant but what they do is they do the strip or two strips behind the head it's a straight strip. That's where you'll see the scars on the back of people's heads. And a lot of people are embarrassed by that. I remember when I heard about that, I was like, oh, I wouldn't actually care. Who cares if there's a scar, right? But like, but if you ever shave, it looks funny. I was like, who cares? I have quite a few friends that have done that. One of them just wore like a, a Euro faux hawk, like all the way back, you know, to cover it. And then, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that that was pretty popular for a while. And then they came out with FUE, which is the follicular or follicular unit extraction. And that's where they go in and they'll do like, they try and do individual as much as they can. And that's what I was planning on doing. Like in random spots in, in the back of your head? Yeah, random spots throughout the whole head. So that way it's not like a straight strip and it just, it's an overall like you pull it through, like it's an overall thinning of the thickness to put the thickness where your hair is thin. If mm. I explain that properly. And then that's what I was expecting to do. I put in my consultation. I took pictures front, back, side, side, you know, you name it. Then they come back and say, okay, this is what we recommend. For me, they had originally recommended like 3,000 grafts. And they said, hey, we'll do FUE. Well, once I got in there, they go, oh, just kidding, we'll do 4,600 grafts, and uh, you need to do the DHI because you are you have hair. FUE is for people that don't have any hair up there. Um, the DHI is if you mm. still have hair up there, and DHI is direct hair implant. And the DHI is a cleaner one. What that means is it's going to go in, and it's going to uh, basically cut around the entire casing of the follicle to get the entire graph and then they pull it out. They use something called a choy pen. Okay. And so they'll go through and pull everything out. So this is, this is what they did. Okay. So, um, day one, I get there, I meet with a Dr. Serkan. All right. I gone or however to say his name. I, don't, I still can't even say it properly. This Turkish guy. And, uh, he comes in, he starts, you know, going through, he assesses my scalp, goes, okay, cool. We need to do 2,400 graphs in the frontal lobe. We need to do, 800 here in this middle section and then 1400 around like the the i can't talk the, the crown over the crown of the head right i'm like okay cool so 4600 all together and i was stoked i wanted to do as much as i possibly could because i know in the u.s i've now now i've had tons of people reach out to me 
So it's kind of funny. I know like all this different community of all these people that have had like their hair transplants done. And I'm not going to say any of their names just out of respect to, to anyone and the no, guys sure. that, that I went over with. I'm, I'm open. That's my story to tell. Their story is their story to tell. I am curious though, real quick, actually, on that note, when you were like going to Turkey and you're like, hey, did you just like contact other like bald friends that you knew? And you were like, hey, let's go get hair, hair transplants in Turkey. And they were like, done. Yeah. Yeah. So I had quite, I had more people that wanted to go with me. They just couldn't make it work with the dates. I'd, uh, I feel so discriminated against, dude. I never got an invite to Turkey. Uh, I know. I should have. <laughs> All because I have hair? That's what it is? Freak, man. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. I did want to have at least one person go with me. You get like a plus one in like the hotel and like stay there. It's like free transportation. Well, also Turkey, dude. Right? Let's not ignore the political like tension that's going on in Turkey. Like they've basically had a pseudo dictator for years now. Erdogan is no no joke. But anyway. Yes, which it's not a, like it's not a place I would definitely want to go to alone either. I'll be honest for any reason. Yeah, well, I just like to travel with someone. I've traveled by myself, and it's not as enjoyable. And so I was like, "Cool, let me see who I can for get sure. to go over with me." Right. And so this is a really kind of how it came down. I mean, when I decided to go, I had a business partner that was going to go with me. Okay. And so that's really where everything kind of stemmed from. I messaged him. I'm like, hey, let's go do it. But he didn't have his passport. And so I ended up waiting for him. And then my sister had passed away, which kept on pushing things back farther and farther. Right. Like I wasn't going to go over there when I'm trying to like figure out a funeral. Right. So then I push it back. He still doesn't have his passport because I wanted to go as soon as possible. Literally, as soon as I found out, I wanted to go the next month. I'm like, why wait? Right. I want to get in as soon as possible. And so then uh, basically what happened is that guy was out. I'm like, dude, I'm done waiting. So I, I called up one of my friends and I go, I am booking my flight right now. Are you in or not? And he's like, yes, I'm in. So I bought the flights for both of us, right? And then a week later, and keep in mind, so because of the political tension that they're going on in Ukraine, I mean, you have Turkey, which is right underneath the Black Sea. Turkey is right at the point of Europe and Asia and Africa, pretty close, right? Like that is Constantinople, right? And so mm. they had a lot of people pulling out, not going and doing the transplants because people were nervous to fly over to Turkey. So I'd messaged before and they told me I was two, three months out. Well, this time I messaged to see how quick I could get in. She goes, we can get you in in two weeks, which now I don't think okay. that's the case. I don't think that's the case anymore. So I bought my flight. I go, cool, I'll be there in two weeks, right? Center all of my stuff. Then I talked with another buddy who, uh, he was balding. And I was like, hey, man, I'm going to Turkey. Do you want to do a hair transplant? And he's like, actually, I do. And I found out that he had done two previous hair transplants and that they had worked incredibly well. I was like, okay, cool. So he he wanted to go and do a third one. I was like, okay, that, that that's cool. So we ended up getting him scheduled because we were already on the docket to go over there. And so this is what's so cool. They do 12 to 15 like hair procedures a day in the clinic, 12 to 15 a day. Wow. And um, when we get there day one, they go over the stuff, the, you know, additional in-person consultation, get you prepped. And then when they took us there, I went in, they picked me up like at 630 in the morning. Okay. Well, I show up there. I had my whole hair procedure for about eight and a half hours from the time I got there and the time I got out and left was about eight and a half hours. I had 4,600 grafts, so they had to poke me about 10,000 times, okay? They're taking out 4,600. Do you feel like every poke? Like, is this like a painful thing? 
So what they do is they do local anesthesia. So they're going to numb you. You know when you go to the dentist and you yeah. get yeah, yeah. it's kind of the same concept. Same thing. And so every, every now and then I'd feel something. I'm like, "Hey, am I supposed to fill that poke?" And they're like, "Oh, nope." And then they, you know, reinject me with local anesthesia. Yeah. yeah. So what they end up doing, they took 1100 grafts from my beard and neck and then uh about 3,500 from the side of my head back and the other side of my head and then put it all in on the, on the top. So these places, they're taking it from places where hair is never going to grow back, right? Like they, like when they take it from there, like that, now that fault, like that is a dead spot. And like, if it's from your beard, you're never going to grow a hair follicle there again. Yeah. Now but, granted it's one follicle. So you like, it's un- unnoticeable, right? From random spots. But. So different, technically, and I was wrong, it's a graft that they pull out, and some of the grafts have four follicles. So they gave me the sheet when they went through, and I had like 1,100 grafts that had four hair follicles inside of it. So I'll technically have more than 4,600 follicles, right, that they did, but it's 4,600 grafts, because mm-hmm. you can have one graft that has three hairs, right, that has three follicles within in the graft. So it's kind of cool learning that. I was like, okay. It makes sense, right? But I don't care. My necks, I, I have a, I shave my neck and it's like, take whatever hair yeah. there. I don't want it. Now, I was going to say like, can you, can you choose the place they take it from? Because if for me, I'd be like, take it from my back. I don't <laughs> want any back hair. <laughs> yeah, but some of that hair is going to be super thin and weak. <laughs> That's actually true. My back hair is just a joke, dude. I hate that it exists. Yeah. And so I wouldn't Gotta actually. freaking do something about that. But yeah, I, I mean, take whatever you want, right? And so that was that was kind of cool to, to see, right? And so supposedly sometimes the hair will grow back. My understanding is it does not, okay? some I read somewhere like it will. I don't think it does. Don't plan on it. If you get it, whatever they take out, it's not coming back, right? Um, what's cool, though, I, I mean, yeah. when you look at the side of my head, and I've gone and gotten a haircut twice since being back um, just to trim up the sides. I mean, you can't tell, like... If I were to grow it out, you'd have no idea that they took anything from the side of my head. No, none whatsoever. whatsoever. Yeah, like, that looks like a totally normal haircut to me. Yeah, you can't you can't tell, and that's what's cool about the DHI. Now, the DHI it, it preserves the graph a lot more, and then they it, it was so cool. So they have you go in. I tried video recording everything I possibly could, and then they made me put my phone away to go into the operating room. Right, I get in there. And there's literally eight to 10 people that are doing it. I had three people at one time poking in my head at the same time, pulling hairs out of the side of my head. It was nuts. And you're awake the whole time. You're awake. I tried to go into like a flow meditative state of just like, I'm there, but I'm not. And I tried to sleep as much as I could. And so what was Were you ever able to fall asleep? I, I would go in and out. I mean, you are drugged up on anesthesia that's still local right. anesthesia. They don't, like, knock but you no, out can, for yeah. it. So, I mean, it didn't feel good, but it it wasn't, like, unbearable. Like, it wasn't that bad, I don't think. But I do have a friend that did it, and it was, like, the worst pain in his life. Where it was like, dude, oh, I was free. Right? Where he was just like, I've never had worse pain. I've had a few surgeries. I feel like I have a decent high pain tolerance um so it was i was fine with it um it felt like this so when they're putting it back in right so they take everything out then they line everything up on this table they sort out the follicles like they have a i mean 10 people working on it right so first they had me Mm -hmm. lay on my back i think and then they did my beard or maybe i don't know i was so in and out of it 
I don't remember if they did my beard or the side of my head first. But at the end, they're putting everything in. And it felt like, remember when you'd be, you know when you take a rubber band and you flick it on someone? You like hold it between your two fingers yeah. and then you like yeah. bring it out. That's what it felt like when they're putting the follicle back into my hair. Okay? On the top of and my And they head. had to do that 4,600 times? Yeah, but it didn't hurt at all. That's just what it felt like. It was like, it's completely numb. And it felt like kind what are you of talking about, dude? those rubber bands do hurt though. I know, but it, <laughs> you're numb. So like, middle school. <laughs> but it was like, a, it was like a soft one. I don't know how to describe it. It just, it did not hurt. And so that literally the Choi pen, they're like pushing it. And so what I didn't know what they were doing after I looked at the pen and I saw that they're actually like pushing it to implant it. Um, but I thought they were doing like trying to snap it in or something. So it, it is kind mm. of cool that way. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think what other, what other like fun fun details you want to know. So okay, so after that, okay, so you go in and you do it. Then uh, they, you get out, you get some food, make sure you're not like completely like gonna pass out. I looked in the mirror, and I was just like, "What the hell did I just do? Like, what did I just do?" Because my whole head is just bright red as can be, and I have this white it looks like a white turban almost all the way around my head didn't you take a picture of this yeah i, I and i'll send yeah, them I'm all sure you, you can you share this yeah yeah i want these i want these yeah so i mean you can see right here where i'm just standing there or yeah down yeah there. i remember that picture i yeah, look like dude. i look like data from star trek you look like an like bozo when he's like 87 <laughs> years old yeah thanks man <laughs> yeah. Bozo the clown dude like and he was like he was the one that he... yeah yeah i remember that picture there's too. the yeah. top of my head so yeah, most yeah. of them that hairline by the way looks amazing no joke it really does oh yeah so, that, it, so that's exciting it was unreal i mean you can look here and you can put this one up too so this is right after you can see so what they do is they you go in the next day, they take off the bandages, and they, they clean it. Mm -hmm. And then they put this black sweatband around your head. Now, the black sweatband, the purpose in that is to help prevent all the swelling. And so I ended up looking mm -hmm. like Megamind, where everything above the sweatband just started to get fat and fat. But if not, it would go down into your eyes, and then it just like looks funky everywhere then, then you right? start to look like sloth from goonies <laughs> yes that's exactly right and so then they give you this bucket hat and we just went and traveled and, and had so much fun like honestly 10 out of 10 on the trip when, when i when i look at it and i rate it based off of the the quality of the medical clinic top notch they were so professional in how they handled everything what they did made sure we were taken care of explained everything before after exactly what needs to be done and there's a lot of additional care the next 10 days that you've got to be very very careful about for the next 10 days and then after the that it gets a little bit better really the the money mm -hmm. mark is at two months so where i'm at i don't have to worry i can technically be in the sun now i don't have to cover my my head i still wear a hat yeah. just because it looks funky and might as well, you know, continue to protect the, the investment. So what I For did sure. want to show you, so what's kind of cool here is to see this is this picture is two weeks after. Yeah, that looks great, man. Yeah, you, it looks That's incredible. Great. 
right? So two weeks That's after. That's a full head of hair. No, it's incredible. And then after that, you start to shed is what it's called. Mm. You shed like a dog and you lose all the hair. So my hair's starting Weird. to come back right now, but it's supposed to do that, okay? It, it's Let's a, see it now. So it's a healthy Let's, process. So right now, um, I you can see how pink it is up here. It's super pink yeah. up here and super pink up here. But I didn't have a hairline up there at all. And so mm. that's going to start to come in. So right in here and here, I'm going to have 2,400 graphs. And then they put in another, you know, 800 here and then 1,400 all in the back. So it's only going to get thicker and thicker, which makes me super pumped, especially when you look at that picture and you can pop it up yeah. or whatever, you know, show it to people. That's, that's two weeks after. That's incredible. Two yeah. weeks after the hair transplant, which just blows my mind. And I'll start to... As it starts to get a little bit thicker and thicker, I'm gonna. I have all these progress pictures that I'm gonna put up, and I've kind of waited because I know you're gonna have the the naysayers like, "Oh, it didn't even work." So I'm gonna put up all the ugly pictures, and I'll have the bomb picture as well associated with it, because most people want me to be the guinea pig, like, "Oh, dude, it, it, once I see the final result, then I'll go over." That's fine, and you can wait to see the final result. Um. I'm all about trusting the process, right? I've already seen the other results mm -hmm. of people, and I'm happy to just trust the process and kind of do do what they say. Do you get a little kickback, dude? Like sending all these people to Turkey to get hair transplants? Like, is Turkey's is this clinic in Turkey just going to be like, hey, Dan, thanks? This is like an, a multi-level marketing type thing where they're going to start giving you thousand dollars per. I should have. I didn't. I didn't realize how much traction I was going to get. So they have this social media package you can do, and I did not elect for it, and I should have. But basically, you do a social media package. They'll pay for everything. You have to put up like YouTube videos. You have to do like tons of updates and post things all over the place, more than what I've even done. Right, and for doing that, they'll pay for your whole thing. Right now, after this. Anyone that goes there that is my referral, I get $200 for. Oh, you really do? I was actually joking. I no. think you should, though. Why not? Yeah. yeah. So someone no, that, goes, they put my awesome. referral, but it's only if I get five people. If I get four people, I get nothing. If I get five people to go, they'll comp me like 1000 bucks. To be real, it's right. not really – I mean, there's not much that they're comping you. So for me, I was like, cool. If people want to go, sweet. If you do go, throw my name. I'd love a kickback, but ultimately, go yeah, wherever definitely. the heck you want. Do your own research. Go to a clinic that you feel good with, and that's really what, what I'm about. I mean, you'd asked me in the past, right? I remember you'd asked me something like, why are you so vocal about this? Or what, what had you asked me? I'm trying to remember. You're like, hey. No, I, well, I mean, it wasn't. I wasn't asking in this. I, it's, I mean, if I remember right, I remember being like, dude, I thought that was really cool that you were super open about it. Yeah, what like, I meant is like, like why? Hey, what I'm doing. Which you're like, why are you trying to like? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Was there a purpose? I guess was there a purpose behind it? Is ultimately what I mean. You know, okay. like were you yeah. trying to destigmatize like whatever it is, like hair thinning, baldness, or whatever, whatever, and just being like, hey, like we. And that's this is where like it's completely foreign to me. 
I don't know what it's like to have the hair thinning, to be going bald. Like, And obviously, I don't even know why women like hair. I don't. I don't understand. I don't know if there's like something at the subconscious level that they feel or whatever. But um, So I really just don't know what it's like. And so obviously, you look at Seinfeld and George Costanza and his whole like... I'm a bald man, like his like self lamentations of that of, of that sort. Um, what was there a goal or a purpose behind it? So and maybe not. Maybe you're just being, like to be open about your life, and I I don't think there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. Oh, you're totally good, and I never took it in a bad way. I was like, oh yeah, I mean, mo- oh, I know be, you wouldn't have. Yeah, to, to be real, most people were so stoked. I had literally over a hundred people message me just wanting more details wanting to know more and about 50 people that were like hey I want to go and do this like I didn't even know this was an option this is so cool and so for me the reason I did it all was... right who are their names right now what are their Instagram <laughs> handles tell us all of them <laughs> right I, I got like the little blacklist you know for everyone exactly um, dude. but for Name, me, names for me it's to empower others right and I was like, you know what, this is cool. And that comes back to my personal why in life. And a part of my personal why is to empower others through authenticity. And so I feel like, how can I go and do this and not be authentic about it? And I want to empower someone else that's in a similar position that's like, hey, I have hair, but I wouldn't mind having a little bit more. You know, like I'd totally take more hair. If I can, if I could have hair yeah. like you, heck yeah, like why not, you know? And I've hear I've heard other friends tease about it where they're like, you know, a hair transplant for men is like a breast augmentation for women. It's like, I mean, there might be some truth there. Yeah, that's actually not a bad that's not a bad uh equivalence. I mean per I that I would never I would never chastise either. Yeah. Like that's that's my point. It's like I'm never gonna look at a woman and be like, Why would you do that? Like, I don't know the freaking what goes into that, like girls that just have never really felt like as much of a woman for whatever reason. And sometimes it's, it's medical too. To you have some people and where sometimes it's medical, medical thing. like you have no idea. And so I just support, you know, if I want to empower a girl or a woman to be her best self, right? And I want to yeah. empower men to be their best self. I mean, that's what we're about. It's empowering others around us. And that really stems back to my personal why. So I go, okay, well, if I'm going to go do this, I'm going to be very open about it because just like me, I did not know that that was even an option. I didn't know I could go to Turkey and do that, nor for the cost. I mean, the cost was insanely cheap. So I'm going, I want to empower anyone yeah, how much else. Was it? So the breakdown on the exact cost, it was $2,500 for the, the entire procedure. Okay. And that includes the hotel, the transportation, everything that they do, the whole nine yards, okay? Then I paid an additional $600 for the DHI. And then I paid an extra $300 to stay an extra four or five days in Turkey to travel around. And then my flight was $665 round trip. Now, you add that all up, it's roughly $4,000. Now, in general, flights are about $1,200, uh, over there, when I got mine, just the flights were super low, and I was like, "Done, I'm gonna buy it." Six hundred and I mean, I'm paying more to fly down to Hawaii or you know, last minute trip, you know, two weeks away to California or somewhere. I mean, six hundred bucks to round trip to Turkey, like 
and I get that's insane, and I get yeah. new hair. Who, who's not all about getting some new hair and a fun trip? Get to go yeah. see the Hagia Sophia, the Blue Mosque. Went out to Cappadocia, see the huge hot air balloon festival. Go to the underground city. Go to the Valley of Love. You go to the Ikasar Castle. You go to these. I don't know. There's just so much to do there. Um, Istanbul has tons to see and do. You have the people on the streets. That have you seen? Do you see the thing I put up? Of the ice cream guy. Do you know uh, it doesn't sound familiar. So those are the people. It's in Turkey where they basically harass you. So you try and you grab the ice cream cone and they pull it out of your hand and they twist it around and then they give you another one. You try and grab it. I'll have to send it to you the video. But there's they're fun. They're fun people. I really loved. I mean, it's a fun culture. Um, and you get to explore. So for me, did you ever watch the Netflix uh, documentary on Mehmed, all about Constantinople, like the siege and how they took it over? No. Super cool. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I'm a total nerd at heart. I love learning about history and and random things, just mm-hmm. because I think it's fascinating. Like we can learn so much from our predecessors, right? And so the whole thing Absolutely. talks about Mehmed and how he conquered and took over. Constantinople and it had never been done before it was known as a city that could not be taken over so it's kind of cool then to go see it all in person after I'd done all this uh you know study up about the the country and I'd been dying to go to Turkey ever since I I think I was nine years old I I'd wanted to go to Turkey oh wow that's cool yeah dude I like that um that's a wild experience man and good for you and i love i love how you refer to that you're saying that like that's your why and it's absolutely relatable for me because that's i mean why am else why else am i starting a podcast you know i mean i say starting i've been doing this for like a year and a half now but um like why did i start a podcast well it's because it's kind of like hey i want to show my authentic self i want to articulate things in certain ways that may resonate with people and i may want to give other people courage or whatever they're looking for to also kind of stand up state their beliefs or whatever else to just be themselves and to not be scared of what they feel might be the majority that's out there that there are other voices that can represent their all their own beliefs as well you know things like that and i think that's in a nutshell kind of what you're doing as well to some degree with things like this and i think that's really cool yeah so I mean, my my overall why that's like the second portion. My full why in life it's one to discover truth because truth sets you free, which has so much mm-hmm. to it. And then the second part is to you know live life with intention through authenticity and empower others to do the same. And so for me, everything that I do now, I mean, you listened to the other podcasts I had done, and when I talk with people, if I'm doing something and it does not support my why, I don't do it. And it kind of gives me kind of a course, a little course, you know, corrector. If I'm doing something and it doesn't align with my my why statement, then it's a complete waste of time. But if I have something, I go, no, that definitely aligns with my why. Whether I'm nervous or, you know, slightly fearful to go do it, well, now I need to go do it because that's going to empower others, right? And that's also going to help me to be true and authentic to myself. Yeah, absolutely, man. I dig that. 
Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but as I do kind of close up here, because I've always liked talking with you, um, and you've kind of talked about this, but like we, we, we addressed kind of things you've been through and things like that. And I just wanted to, since this is called latter day takes, I do like to kind of have a spin on it when I can that's church related and you're not quiet about that. And I love that. Um, but how has that kind of affected this same philosophy that you've embraced? Like just, if it doesn't fit your why you don't do it, but like, how does that fit into the gospel and, and how you carry yourself and things like that? Okay, so my overall why. So you have Simon Sinek, and he have you you're familiar with Simon Sinek? Yeah, he has yeah, the book yeah. Start with Why. So I do a lot of coaching. I help other business owners. I'll work with. Um, I have guys that I start businesses with, and then I'll just have friends that come over and they're like, "Hey, help me out." And so I do something where I dive into their whys. Right, I dive in. I kind of see what's going on in their life, and I'll have them watch a seven minute segment all about. Simon Sinek start with why, right? And so for me, most people ask what you do or how you did something that was hard, but rarely do people ask you why you did it. And I think that when, when you break it down, why is a, is a truth, okay? And, or doctrine. If you look at it in the gospel approach, why is doctrine, um, how is going to be the application and what is going to be principle. So it comes down to doctrine, principles, and applications, which is the same as why, hows, and what's. And that's kind of how I looked at with mine, where truth, truth is light, truth is intelligence, and even God has a why, right? Everything that we do in the church supports the mission of the church, but that mission of the church also supports God's why. You pull up Moses 139, Scripture Mastery, what's it say? I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, shoot. Is this, uh, um, hold on, hold on. Gosh, it's, for isn't this, it kind of akin to, what's that? No, it's for this is my work and my glory. Yeah, the yeah, well, so I was thinking it was kind of like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but that's obviously John 3.16. Yeah. But I was thinking it was akin to that, and it kind of is, yeah, because it's the work of my glory. This is my so work that's glory. the how. So that's the how, which is cool. You look at John three sixteen. That's the how. Yeah. All right. That's how this was accomplished, which is through the Savior. Right. That's the purpose of the atonement. Right. Now, why right. though? Right. The why for this is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality, bring to pass and, eternal the immortality and eternal life of man. So that is the why. Right. Everything supports that why. I mean, God even has a why. God has straight told us his why okay and that's why this stuff i think is so fascinating because i dive into it and going okay god's got his why i have my why and it will continue to change my why used to be my future family right i did all these different businesses trying to get things going for my future family well it only got me so far i'm still not married i don't have a future family i mean i have a future family i just don't have oh, them. you do yeah i just don't have them yet right as long as you want one <laughs> right. And so yeah. I had to dive in deeper and go, what is my actual why? And I've continued to refine it, even the, you know, the vernacular, right? Where it used to be encourage. And I was like, no, I don't want to encourage others. I want to empower others. Encourage is like exhortion and like to, no, empower means, hey, I'm giving you the power. You can also do this rather than trying to like persuade someone to do something. And so, um, that's really how it lines up with, with the gospel. I mean, I go, okay, 
I'm searching for truth. And for me, I have so much more about truth, right? It's not just, you know, truth doctrine, but I, as I read the scriptures, I go, okay, what are true eternals or true eternal principles or, sorry, I can't even talk, true eternal statements, right? Truth statements or mm -hmm. eternal, you know, doctrinal principles that are there that then I can apply in every aspect of my life. And it's so cool because I have found ways to apply it to business to relationships and that's relationships in every aspect, right? To working out, to the gym, to um, you look at diet and exercise, you look at the way that we view money, right? I mean, the scriptures give you a clear, you know, path and outline of how to go and make money, what you need to do if you want to, it gives it to you. You want to have a healthy relationship with your spouse, with your parents, with your kids, with your siblings, like, the scriptures have the ultimate guide. And I love reading. You know, I mean, we talk and Absolutely. I love reading books. And for me, I read a book and I find scriptures that support the truths that are talked about in those books. Now, that's really cool. Actually, you can almost vet the veracity of these books that we read through the scriptures. I <laughs> actually, there's a, there, you might, you know, I think you're spot on on that. So that brings me to my next and last question. What are three books that have changed your life recently? I mean, I'm sure you could come up with way more than three, but I'm just curious, mm -hmm. kind of like what's on your mind. Cool. I mean, obviously the Book of Mormon, but if we take the Book of Mormon out. I will never not say the Book of Mormon right? for the record. Like so yeah. I'm always going to say the Book of Mormon, right? But if we take the Book of Mormon out, the three books that I recommend that I think everyone should read, right? Especially if you, you know, whatever, doesn't matter what is. The first one is The Four Agreements, Okay. The Four Agreements resets the way that you view the dogmas and stigmas of society, okay? You essentially unleash, or unleash yourself from the shackles that society has put on you, okay? And it's cool because at the intro of it, um, it talks about the Toltec. And if you do a comparison with DNC 93, it's almost spot on the exact same thing. It talks all about light and truth. Okay, so the four agreements is the first one. That helps to kind of break free. The next one I love is Untethered Soul. And the reason I love Untethered Soul, you have a lot of books on awareness and um, consciousness, right? And being awakened. And what's so cool about this book is at the end, it talks about the atonement. And it talks about the intercessory prayer. It talks about John 17. And I love that because for me, I'm going, yes, that's really what it's about is the at one mint, right? We want to have that awakeness, right? That, that awareness, that full consciousness. And the whole book talks about your ego and your, sub, your subconscious, right? And helps you to break through and understand kind of how we work, right? Now, the third book, it, it's up, up for debate. Um, I would say as of right now, I would recommend Whole Again. And the reason I'd recommend Whole Again is because a lot of people have been in an unhealthy relationship or they've been in lots of healthy relationships. But what's so cool about this book is it calls everyone out on their own crap, okay? And people get triggered as they read through it, and that's great, right? Um, I had to do a lot of introspection as I read through it, and it helped me heal quite a bit as long as it was done with the atonement of Jesus Christ. I mean, I made sure to, you know, for me, that's, it doesn't that's matter what it is. Major caveat. 
by the way. Right? Yeah. You have to incorporate yeah. the, the Savior. I mean, I think that that's the biggest mistake with New Age spiritualism, or you look at any, you know, new hip philosophy, they have a lot of truths, and that's why they have a lot of followers, but they deny the Christ. They deny the Savior, and, I mean, the Savior is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, no man cometh unto the Father, but through the Savior. And so I think that these books are incredible as long as we keep in remembrance the Savior. So those are my three top books that I always recommend to people that have nothing to do with business, have nothing to do with anything else. It's a personal introspection. And then you can dive in a little bit more and go, okay, think for yourself. Don't do something just because society says to do it, right? I mean, when you look at the third of the hosts of heaven left, well, they were just being sheep, right? They just left. They followed. How many people were fence sitters? And so I think it's our duty to empower others to think for themselves. I mean, nowhere in the in the scriptures, nowhere in the, nowhere in the doctrine of the church does it say, do not think for yourself. In fact, it says, study, DNC 88.118, study from the best books, right? And then it talks about seek counsel by study and by faith, right? And so we're encouraged to study and learn about other religions, right? Learn as much as we can. And as I study and learn about other religions more and more, it strengthens my own belief and faith in Jesus Christ. Man, I love that. I love that, man. I knew I wouldn't regret asking that question. I wrote down those book titles, by the way. I... I'd heard of all of them, but hadn't really gotten a synopsis. Four Agreements, I think, is one maybe I've heard about the most. Uh, I'm looking forward to checking those out, dude. Thank you for throwing those my way. Yeah, of course. Um, with that, Dan, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for being candid. I knew I was going to get a candid uh, interview from you. Uh, you don't know any other way, and I love that. I respect it. I try to be the same way. So, Thanks, man. Well, brother, um, I... Uh, keep me posted on I, I want to see I want to see that growth come in man I'm excited okay I'll be throwing updates and posts here in the next month to two months that's when it starts to thicken up so love it one more thing I wanted to say real quick um I don't know if I shared this with you in fact I don't know how much how much detail I want to share on the podcast necessarily but um the uh so so what my listeners don't know is that I like to do kind of like a charity poker night thing um, where I love, I loved playing Texas Hold'em growing up, but I'm not much of a gambler. I don't really think that's necessarily a good thing for me necessarily. Um, and so I really don't gamble, but what I have done is I've done charity poker, Texas Hold'em, had a bunch of friends come over last December and we, I think we threw down like 25 bucks or something like that and people could buy in as much as they want. And the winner would get to choose where the money went. Well, Dan here won. He's a baller. He's quite the he's quite the hold'em poker player. <laughs> and you had mentioned your sister passing away, and kind of you wanted to honor her legacy. And so we ended up kind of splitting up some of the money so you could do some of that. But I felt like I don't know, man. Dare I say your sister kind of had a hand in this whole thing anyway? Because you were asking me for suggestions, and my brother, so. We in my family we just buy one one uh, sibling a gift and we just kind of make rotations 
every year. And so I had my brother that's just older than me. And he said, hey, why don't you go to your ward and just donate my gift to charity? Um, find something like talk to your bishop and find somebody that might be in need, some families. And you were like, that sounds great. I was like, my brother's just doing that. Do you just want to do something like that? And you're like, that sounds great. And so um, I did that. I talked to my bishop and we were able, I mean, we didn't raise like a ton of money. It was just like a few hundred here and there, I think ultimately. It was like 750. I think it was 750. Yeah. And we ended up, yeah. And we split it out. And so I don't, I can't remember exactly how much I ended up donating. I think, I think you gave me maybe as much as even like 400 almost or something like that. Um, And then that was on top of that, what I was going to give for my brother. And uh, specifically they were able to help a, a single mom of like six in the ward and then another family whose uh, father had recently like lost his job and they were struggling in ways that they was unfamiliar because they were used to having Christmas a certain way not necessarily in gifts but just kind of certain traditions what was really cool man was that I didn't hear any of the outcome kind of how that all played out but um one of the one of the girls in the ward had shared she gave a talk and she had mentioned how hard Christmas was on their family. But what was so nice was that I knew that some of the money that you had donated for this had gone to this family. And her talk's focus was how they were able to still kinda, you know, maintain some of those Christmas traditions. She didn't mention specifically receiving, I don't even know if they knew, like it might've just been their parents that knew, but I just took a lot of comfort in that thinking like, not only obviously you played a huge role in that, but like me going to my bishop and just kind of thinking, wow, like what a blessing to see. You never really ask for these things, like to see the results of kind of some of the actions that you do. But when sometimes you get lucky where God kind of pulls the curtain back and he says, this is what you've done. And I thought that was really cool. I never shared that with you until now. And it's just like a testament to, yeah, dude, of course, I should have shared that with you right away, but it was a testament to me. Like it made me a little bit emotional where I'm thinking, wow, like we helped make a difference. Not a huge deal, right? Not a huge deal, but it's something. And like, that's what it's all about. Right. And hopefully like, as we get older, we just try and make more and more differences like that moving forward in our lives. Right. So. No, I love it. And it's seeing how big of an impact we can continue to have, you know? know? Yeah, for sure. No, thanks for sharing that. All right, man. Well, of course, dude. Thank you. And we'll stay in touch, obviously. Dan, I, I'd love to bring you back at some point because you're just easy and fun to talk to. So, Thanks, man. I appreciate being here. Let's just plan on it. Of course, brother. All right, man. Well, have a good one, and uh, I'll catch you later. All right. See you, man. Okay, bye. Right. See you, man. See you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay. Hope you all enjoyed Dan Osler coming on the podcast, giving great detail to his hair transplant procedure. Loved his openness, loved his candor. Dan's a great guy. He's always been really easy to talk to. One of those that I met from day one that I'm just like, this guy, this guy's a homie. 
easy to talk to, great conversationalist, love it. So I knew it would be fun to have him on the pod. One thing I wanted to share, kind of just as my as my kind of gospel thought this week, um, was something that I actually put out there on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, right? Instagram and Facebook stories are the same, so they showed up on both. It was a scripture. I was just reading normal scripture study, uh, I believe it was Monday morning, and um, it was Helaman 7. And I've heard, now I need to track down this quote. I think so. I went to my mom. My mom actually knew who it was. It was Elder. So I thought it was Elder or President Faust. That was what someone had reminded me of. They thought it was President Faust, and I was like, "Yeah, that sounds right." I went to my mom. And I was like, "Actually, no. It was President Packer." And the quote is essentially that if you want to know what it's going to be like in the last days, just read Helaman. My goodness, does that not sound very, very accurate? So I happened to be reading it in Helaman seven Monday morning. And the scripture stands out to me. I'm like, holy cow. So I ended up screenshotting it. I actually read a physical copy, but I was like, I got to pull this up. I highlighted it, screenshot it, put it on Twitter, put it on Facebook, Instagram. And it definitely resonated. This thing kind of blew up on Twitter. A lot of people liking it. A lot of people retweeting it. Not a lot of people. I mean, some guy brought up the church and the tithing money. I'm like, okay, not relevant. But anyway, uh, a lot of people were like, wow, this hits. This hits hard. Here's the scripture. It's Helaman 7.5, and this is what it says. Condemning the righteous because of their righteousness, letting the guilty and the wicked go unpunished because of their money, and moreover, to be held in office at the head of government, to rule and do according to their wills, that they might get gain and glory of the world, and moreover, that they might actually, or sorry, or moreover, that they might the more easily commit adultery and steal and kill and do according to their own wills. Cannot believe how prescient that is. Just spot on. Amazing. Beautiful. Inspired. I look at the scripture and I'm like, this is the, these are the times we're living in. And we're talking chief judge after chief judge murdered. There was literally a plot to kill uh, Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh just within the last few weeks. In Helaman 7, there's like one verse where like two, two chief judges die one after the other. It's like the chief judge and the chief judge's son. Just boom, boom. And you read this verse and you're like condemning the righteous because of their righteousness, right? Calling good evil and evil good. This is the world we're living in right now. We are evil for this reason or that reason. And the one that just hits right now specifically is we're evil because we want to take away a woman's right to choose. It's like, yeah, a right to choose to kill. Yeah, it happens to be tethered to their body, but it's still another human we're talking about. So in what world do we want to live in? that the rights of one person would usurp that of another in any context whatsoever. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting a little passionate right now. I've already, I've already given up. I've already, uh, I think I've maxed out the passion for this podcast already, this episode specifically. Anyway, I wanted to share that verse because it definitely hit with a lot of people that hit with me. And I think it might have hit with you, hopefully. Like it is, it's there. We're living in these times. It's crazy. Best we can do is really just, let our principles shine. Hopefully lift each other up. Definitely love others. Never let their love or their definition of love dictate how we show love. But just do do what we can there. Display our best intellectual honesty and keep moving forward. Anyway, I love you all. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you all have a great 4th of July weekend with your loved ones, family, close friends, whatever. I'm definitely looking forward to it. A lot of family is going to be in town for me. 
It's going to be great to see them all. I love this country. God bless America. God bless all of you. We'll catch you next week. It's hourglass sitting on my table I'm watching Because everything's changing my mind Going to a different time Old love, I remember falling so madly There must have been magic in the valley And a rhythm in the night Cause I could almost see it Did you fade right out of you? If it takes time, I, I If it takes time